Planet X Cinema is a pop-up movie theater showing righteous trash cinema. Each week on this show, the Hicks brothers meet to take suggestions for new movie titles from the Planet X faithful and turn them into brand new films. It's fake movies from the minds of madmen. Welcome to the Planet X Cinema Podcast. I am Drew Hicks. I'm Blair Hicks. Welcome to the show. How you doing, Blair? You said you had an idea for the cold open. Uh, well, I just wanted to make a quick report. Uh, oh boy, this sounds hilarious. Yeah, this uh, this is like news news from the front. Now okay. I watched uh, I watched a couple of uh, potential Planet X films. Okay, cool. What you got? Uh, well, the uh, the first thing I watched uh, was The Keep which is a Michael Mann film from 1993, mm. which is a Nazi supernatural horror film. Yeah, you told me about this one on, yeah. the, on the Christmas special, I think. Yes, I did. And it stars Ian McKellen. And for some reason, I had never seen it, but I remember seeing the poster all the time when we were kids. Hell yeah. In video stores. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was at a mom and pop shop or wherever, but I do remember seeing it all the time. And I met a couple people that were like, you should absolutely watch it. Mm. I watched it. It was, it's wonderful. You should watch it. It's spellbinding. It's meditative. It's eerie. It's weird. I don't think we can show it at a screening because it's so uh, meditative. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was like, I was like, this is a great movie. And then I looked, I kind of looked at the time and I was like, Oh, I can't show this to people. It's a wonderful movie. <laughs> it's sort of like having a Lawrence of Arabia screening, though. You, you know, you go like, we'd have to have an intermission or something. But yeah, it, it, okay. It, so the keep comes recommended. Planet X recommends. I I highly recommend it. Now, this, okay. What's the second one? I, this is the one I want to talk to you about. I watched uh, 1992 Split Second, which is a Rutger Hauer film. Yes. Now, have you seen Split Second? I, I have not, although to, to echo what you said earlier, I remember fondly this, this cover art from my childhood. Great. This along, this along with like Deep Star Six was always a movie I wanted to watch, but never got around to. <laughs> I was like, that's some fucking good cover art. Okay, great cover art, even better pitch. This is like, hold on, let's set up the cover art though. You gotta like, it's like Rutger Hauer in like a trench coat with like, like a cybernetic xenomorph coming around behind him, right? That's right. And he's yeah, it's fucking cool as hell. <laughs> he looks like the hero, the protagonist of like a Sega Genesis beat 'em up game. He's got like little round sunglasses on. And- yeah, he's doing the fucking uh, the Ghost in the Shell like sidekick character look. Yes, like buzz yes, cut with the little glasses and the trench coat. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. And so the pitch of this film is that Rutger Hauer. Oh, wait a minute. In the in the future, in 2020, from a combination of torrential rains and uh, climate change, London is almost completely underwater. Great. That's, and they do that in a crawl, so you get that real quick at the beginning. Perfect. Rutger Hauer is, uh, is a cop that plays by his own rules, and he's hunting down a serial killer that killed his partner 10 years ago. And... Uh, he has a psychic link with the serial killer. He knows when he's going to kill. This is so and good. Rutger Hauer survives on coffee and chocolate. Amazing. <laughs> he, he, just, he drinks coffee and he eats chocolate. And everyone hates him. I'm, I'm watching the first 15 minutes of this film going like, 
this is the greatest film I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a film this good. Oh, and they always refer to his gun as that cannon. Like it's what? This, yeah, they're always like, they're always like, what are you carrying around? That cannon? You know, it's, 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 cool. it's great. So 15 minutes in, I'm totally into it. Someone get this person gets their heart torn out. It's horrific. It's gory. It has psychic stuff. There's hints that it might be demonic or supernatural. It's in the near future. It's Rutger Howard. Uh, and then this film hits the Planet X stumbling box block of all Planet X stumbling blocks. The vegetables of Act Two never happen. No, Forty no. to forty-five minutes, just the middle of this movie, <laughs> fucking nothing. And then at the end, there's a nice little fifteen minutes where him and Kim Cattrall and some weirdo who plays his English sidekick all fight a demon down in a sewer that eats people's hearts. And you go like, that's great. But see, it, it's a lesson we have learned by trying to make these movies. I witnessed it in person and I was like, see, that's, that's why yeah. you have. If, if doing this podcast has taught me anything uh, beyond our near prescience vis-a-vis -vis Vivica Fox and Shaggy, it is that like coming up with an idea for a film is is it that they say that's like the hard part right like you gotta have a great idea you gotta have a great idea that's not actually the hard part because most oh. of those things are predicated on either a great beginning or a great end and if you have one it's real easy to write the other the yeah. tough thing is like man what are we gonna do with these characters for 35 minutes in the middle of this bad boy and <laughs> just nothing like, and, and kim cattrall and and the the sad thing is it was a it was a true lesson in, in, in that this film was cast extremely well. The cast is very good. Um, you know, and they, they all do service to their characters, but they've got 40 minutes of just bullshit to wade through in the middle. And it totally, it totally ruins it. It totally. Well, it, we've talked about that too. Like, I think, you know, like we're, we're big fans of like not shitting on movies. Like if a movie's bad, I'm not, I don't want to watch it. You know, I don't want to like, I'll leave that to other people who are, who are making fun of it and stuff. But like, I love when actors take weird roles and when they take challenging scripts and they fully step into them. And I would be hard pressed to find somebody who does a better job of that than Rutger Hauer. Like, he's, great. he's, he's so good. He's got, he looks amazing. He looks fucking awesome. Like he perpetually looks like a million years old and 25. And I don't know how the fuck he does that, but like, uh, like flesh and blood is, it's like a great film. Uh, takes a weird journey in the second act. I think it works a lot better than a lot of those movies. But like, yeah, I would I would actually say like one of the hallmarks of these movies is actors who step into roles and just fucking run with them. I'll t I'll tell you what that movie. I'll tell you what Split Second is though. It's like a science fiction version of Cobra. Oh, cool. So so it's more actiony than horror, then, huh? It's it's more actiony than horror, and it plays on the Cobra template of a cop hunting a serial killer who behaves more like a serial killer than a cop. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. okay. I don't know how long it's been since you've seen Cobra. I watched Cobra a couple weeks ago, and I was like, that's a really great conceit for a film. It's a cop film where the cop acts more like a serial killer than he does like a cop. Because yeah, yeah. I feel like that gets, uh, that gets done a lot nowadays, doesn't yeah. it? I wonder where that trope started. There's a lot of like the unhinged cop going after the cold calculated killer. Yeah, that's that a good point. That seems tropey. I wonder when that started. I'm sure Cobra is early, but it I'd, I'd be shocked if it was the first one with all the grindhouse and yeah, like, yeah. Kind of cool. Sneak. Another one that has great box art. 
Oh man! And uh, him, in the, him in like the mirror shades with he has like holding up like a gun that has like a little flame thing coming out of it, right? I, do you remember? Do you remember the tagline on the box for COVID? <sighs> it's, no, it's, I don't. I'm sorry. Meet the cure. Meet the cure. Jesus oh, Christ! I never have a plug or a shout out, but I do want to make just a real quick one. If you're on Facebook and you like following groups that are into weird movies i follow a bunch but i uh uh, my favorite right now is called grindhouse lees and 80s vhs trash i know that's long but grindhouse lees and 80s vhs trash um that's how i found split second and it's a really great group of people i had a legitimate conversation about um comparing and contrasting damnation alley and battle truck the other day with someone fuck yeah and it was fucking tight. So there's good people out there. There's but- trashies. There's trashies all over this big, beautiful planet of ours. But uh, we're not here to talk about podcast recommendations. We are here to create new righteous trash cinema movies, which we do every week. We, the heads of Planet X Cinema Studios, uh, the way we do that is real simple. You send us in your hypothetical movie title suggestions, and we fully flush them out and cast them and tell you when they took place. And sometimes we accidentally almost invent movies that did, that did actually get made. Um, <laughs> If you've got a title for a hypothetical uh, righteous trash movie that you want us to flesh out, you can get it to us in uh, one of a couple ways. Uh, Blair, give me one of those ways. Well, you could go to our website, which is planetxcinema.com, and we have a big button that says submit. If you hit that, you can send us a whole bunch of movie titles. You can also email us at planetxcinema at gmail.com, or if you leave us a review on iTunes and you leave us a movie title, uh, we will do it on the show. More on that later. Ooh, that's like a t- oh you did a little tease i did a little tease there i teased you you teased me i'm gonna clip you um we have this week a movie title suggestion that you and i have weirdly talked about doing a bunch and have been like should we i don't know oh we've kicked the can on one well we don't usually do it we don't spend a lot of time no, intentionally no, no. we never talk about the titles we never talk about who sends them in we just kind of like pick one really usually at about this point in the show and then just rock it away this one we have talked about and i think it's time we address it sent in by ryan hanks hanksty himself we are going to do this week bread panic bread panic but sent in by ryan thanks thanks hanksty thanks hanksty you're the best Mm, love you Mm. now we have done one from ryan hanks beautiful wife jen frost smith before but we have not done i believe it was build a husband Build a Husband was Jens, yes. Build a Husband was Jens. So Ryan, uh, lowballing it compared to Build a Husband, has given us <laughs> bread panic. I think the reason it comes up is that every time I see it on the list, I'm like, that looks good, like on a poster, but I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, my head goes immediately to like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, right? Do you do evil bread? That doesn't feel good. <laughs> well, I can, and no. That feels like an intentionally bad film. Knowing it, knowing him, I'm like, is he trying to get us to do some sort of like Soviet revolt B movie? <laughs> you know, where it's oh. like, you know, where the food supply is like, there's bread panic, you know, a bread panic. Cool. There's not enough food, you know. See, I, I thought about somebody with celiac disease who like unwittingly eats a blueberry, <laughs> un- unwittingly eats a blueberry muffin and then has to get to the emergency room or something. Very timely. It's a very timely reaction you had. <laughs> <laughs> This is a the world's first gluten sensitivity B movie. It's very good. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Um, oh, I ate this muffin. Now I only have twenty four hours. 
Sorry, that was a brand muffin. You have about five minutes to live. <laughs> um, it, it's a good title, though. It is a good title. Bread Panic. Bread um, Panic. I like what you said, though, about food shortage. That's cool. Well, I, I mean, think that's, it's I think objectively, that's, sorry, it's objectively not cool, but well, no, you can I, make an interesting Planet X movie. I think that's where the phrase comes from. Am I wrong? Is that not where that comes from? Oh, is it, a, is it an actual thing? I think it's an actual phrase. I oh. could, he could have... Hanksy is, is much smarter than I am. I, I assumed he just put two words together. <laughs> he may have. I, I mean, I, for all I know, he spun it out of whole, whole cloth. Yeah, uh, I thought he was just like, you know, dolphin explosion. Well, I mean, if you, if you Google it, it doesn't come up as like a definition, but there is like bread panic Ireland, bread panic, blah, blah, blah. So oh. apparently when you run out of bread... People get pissed off. The, the Ooh, do you want to do that? Angry. Could be kind of fun. What if we did like an early, like like late 1800s, early 1900s Irish thing? Where it's okay. like it's like 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 a small, like like small town horror where the grain is all dying and so there's a bread panic on. And okay. uh, and so I'm thinking like I like uh kind of like Wakewood or grabbers where we're going to deal with like a super isolated rural community and they're running, they've run out of food and something, something supernatural is afoot. Like, okay. Some more, some more, something's killing the crops and we could go like old God or we could go plague. I don't know. So, but you're thinking more, as you say, grabbers than like the wicker man or something. We could go wicker man too. I'm just like, I so like you just randomly looking at bread panic like okay yeah that's a term when like they run out of grain in Ireland and they run out of wherever right like I guess I guess so or it could oh be. oh Blair there's a bread panic on don't oh, you know please <laughs> um, Jesus weeping on the cross you could do kind of a wicker man meets the music man uh where like there is a bread okay. wait hold on. sorry you're going to have to unpack that <laughs> no no I will I will. The Wicker Man is an outsider who who is in, he's doing an investigation and he stumbles upon an isolated community. Correct. Mm -hmm. Well, what if the outsider who stumbles upon the isolated community is more like the Music Man than the Wicker Man? In the Music Man, he it like he comes and he basically tries to shill a town. So mm -hmm. he could be promising a solution to the bread panic. You see, oh. and and then it turns out he's an evil wizard. Um, Ooh, what if we made him an unlikely hero? So what if it's like, uh, what if like, okay, famine is sweeping the land, the crops are dying, we've run out of bread, a, a bread panics on, there's no bread for mom, for dad. And then this guy shows up, he's a snake oil salesman. <clears throat> right. Uh, he music mans him. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got bread, where? Not here, not here in K Killarney. Uh, but I'm going to sell you this magic oil that if you spread it on your crops, it'll totally work. And they buy into it. They make him stay in the town. It like doesn't work. They all turn on him. Now we've got kind of like a, like a, like a deep rising army of darkness scenario where we've got kind of like a bumbling fool in town who has to beat off culty villagers and try to save the town from famine during the bread panic. Ooh, we can actually, actually maybe army of darkness and evil dead two is a good touch point. We could make it a dark comedy, and then the title can be a little silly. I think that's probably a good idea. I also think that it might be a good idea that we, and this we will enjoy this very much, as opposed to being like, Ireland, 1890. Like, sort of do, 
do a soft fantasy film and that it's just set in like, you know, it's like uh, generic Arthurian Britain, right? Oh, you want to go way back. Well, it just, but I think if we ground it historically, then you have to do too much kind of contextual work. Sure. I mean, I think like it's Flesh and Blood that we talked about in the, in the opening, like Flesh and Blood's a good example where like, I think they actually try to put a year on that one. I think they're like 13, 15. And they're like, they, they say like the name of the king and then everything else in the movie, they're like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, we're, we're going to do whatever we want to do. Like, well, fair enough, right? Like, even in Holy Grail, where the guy, where half of the guys are actually medievalists, they were like, you know, AD 880, and then it gives a shit. <laughs> actually, do you know that? Sorry, this is a Hollywood Drew's Corner. Welcome back. We're over here. Thanks for joining me. Uh, do you know the story about Gladiator and the archers that shoot bow and arrows that are lit on fire? Uh, no, I don't. Please okay, so apparently on set in Gladiator, Ridley Scott had this idea in his head to light a bunch of arrows on fire and shoot them through the air so they would look like flares. And yeah. they, they famously hired like a, a team, like three or five Roman military historians to be on set to be like, this is how you hold a gladius and this is how, this is how a cestus was wrapped around a hand, all this shit, right? And apparently one of them chewed, them chewed out the production designer and was like, there's no historical evidence that they ever did this. This is bullshit. I don't know why you're doing this. And really Scott came over and was like, fuck you. It's going to look cool. We're doing it. <laughs> he did it. And I swear to God, it's the first movie I can think of where they had somebody do that. And like every historical war movie since Gladiator, there's a scene where an archer like lights an arrow on fire and shoots it. Oh God, I think the last three Robin Hood movies have had one of those, haven't they? <laughs> I swear to God. I think it was a crazy story. But yeah, this historian was like, please don't do this. This isn't accurate. And Ridley Scott was like, uh, I'm Ridley Scott. I pretty much do whatever I want, bud. <laughs> if, you, if you ever want to see that played out very well uh, dramatically or comedically in a film, uh, in Tristan uh, Shandy, a cock and bull story, the Michael Weatherbottom mm -hmm. film. Was yeah, yeah, great film, great film. <laughs> Yeah, um, the guy who plays the Weasley's father in the Harry Potter films is the historical accuracy expert on the Tristan Candy <laughs> movie. And he's, he's going around with extras and he's like, I know this won't be in the film, but I want to give you all period accurate names and professions. <laughs> <laughs> I've never related to anyone more in a motion picture than that poor guy. You um, know, I, I, I know I kind of just dunked on him a little bit. I, I like, the, like of what I consider the Ridley Scott trilogy of Gladiator, Kingdom of Heaven, and Robin Hood. If you're mm -hmm. listening, next time you watch one of those movies, pay attention for uh, the Ridley Scott old man character who talks like this with, <laughs> bait, with bated breath. He looks for one good English man. Like he somehow in all of his movies, and it's different actors, it's always different actors. He finds a way to coach an old man to be like, could you speak in more bated breath and like bigger pregnant pauses? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna... <laughs> Bla Blah, we, we must make... Bread panic. Bread now. panic. Please find a plot. A plot. I think I think we're good though. I like the okay, we'll say for now we'll figure it out later. Generically historical. We don't have to it can it can say like long ago in the old country. Dot dot dot. Great. Yeah. All right. Whatever. A famine is on, the crops are failing, the people are going crazy. They're looking for any solution to the bread crisis or whatever they want to fucking call it. Uh, there's a contingent that wants to like, okay, well, we got to figure out is the, is the cause of it supernatural or is, I like the idea that like a cult tries to solve it. I was going to do supernatural gonna means. I was just going to say, what if we had a cult and they solved the bread panic? 
we see all this play out. This is the early part of the film, the very, very <laughs> early part of the film. The cult, and then our music man character who comes along mm-hmm. actually ends up having to save the town from the cult that saved them from the bread panic. Well, see, okay, yeah, let me, let me like, okay, let me put a little spin on that one, right? Okay. Um, so like, yes, generally, I like the idea that like there's a famine on. I want our Harold Hill character to walk into town and be like, uh, these people are yokels. You're all fucking crazy bu- bumpkins, right? Right. Uh, and, and by the way, that contention over there of crazy cultists, that's super bad news. But uh, hey, I'm going to sell you some snake oil, put it in the ground. Everything's great. Thank you for the money. I'm gone. He's going to stay in the tavern that night and leave the next day. Obviously, the snake oil isn't working and the cult's like, this guy's a hack. Let's summon the old gods and get this shit going. He's, w- he's woken up in the night because there's like demons and skeletons and shit running around trying to solve the bread panic. And he becomes this reluctant hero where he has to like defeat the cult with the townspeople who he kind of duped. So they sort of hate him. But by the end of the movie, they kind of come to terms together. And like, it's pretty good. You know what we ought to have him do is that first night, he doesn't stay at the tavern, have him stay with the local family because then we all <laughs> even <have>, better. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what I mean? Because then, then you then, like, like looking at the porridge, like, the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yeah. And also, then you automatically have towns, we automatically have townspeople characters we can work with there's like a father in the family there's a mother in the family there's maybe like a hot daughter or whatever you know oh, what I mean? definitely a hot daughter yeah in a bustier yeah we're okay okay it's cool all right cool you found me beautiful once <laughs> um us. uh so I wait i kind of i kind of like this like as a i mean we're we're chomping army of darkness pretty hard but it feels good it's got oh, the, like wakewood's it's got the it's got the Wakewood small town English horror cult old god wicker man thing. Like, damn it, Blair, I kind of already like Bread Panic. You did a good job here with Wicker Man and Music Man. I knew as soon as I kind of got you medievalized, I'd have you like a fucking fish on a on the line. Put me in England and start talking about a cult shit, and I'm a happy boy. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't think it's actually ripping Army of Darkness off that hard, other than it's just it's 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 an action comedy in medieval or or, or pre modern Europe. I don't think that we're chomping it much more than that. Well, except. And, and I think this is a good thing because, like, I mentioned Deep Rising. I think Deep Rising tried to do Evil Dead. It in did, a, yes. In, like, in a more contemporary, cool, action-y, like, jet ski on a cruise ship. If you haven't seen Deep Rising, fucking go. If you like Evil Dead and you haven't seen Deep Rising, like, do yourself a favor. It's great. It's fucking um, It's like the fourth Evil Dead movie. It's awesome. Um, but what, what's great about it is the hero is the butt of the joke. And then all the horror surrounding him is actually horrifying. Like, I think that's why Evil Dead 2 works better than Army of Darkness. Because, like, Evil Dead 2 is 70% a horror movie, 30% a comedy, and that ratio gets flipped in Army of Darkness. So what I'd love for us to do is, like, stick to that Evil Dead 2 ratio where, like, we're in olden times, in the old country, everything's fire and gas lanterns, there's no electricity, there's no guns, we have, like, pitchforks, and the old gods are coming. You know the and then a fucking fucking jack of all trades screwball is like in charge. You know the look you want for this film is the Patrick Bergen Uma Thurman Robin Hood film. God, That's I fucking look. love that Robin but Hood. But that but that is the look you want without going Absolutely. down a rabbit hole. Why don't you Here's, give give like give the give the two minute explanation of that movie because it's so fucking cool. It's fucking great. It's it's the it's the Robin Hood story, but it's told through the Norman Saxon. Uh, 
uh, paradigm, right? So it's um, Saxons are the common people and they're mad at the Normans. And then the, the, the whole thing with Maid Marian is that she's supposed to marry this horrible Norman Lord. He's not mm-hmm. the Sheriff of Nottingham. He's not Guy Gisborne. He's, he's just this horrible Northern Lord actually played by uh, the, that guy also is uh, what the second lead in uh, the keep. Jürgen Prunch now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great yeah, act. That guy's um, fucking incredible. But the thing, one, I mean, I love it. I think the movie is great. I think the script is great. I think the casting is great. But the thing mm-hmm. I love about the movie is the feel of it is so authentic. It really, mm-hmm. it's not Renaissance fairy at all. It is no, they don't pull any punches about trying to make a, a very, a truly medieval England, even mm-hmm. down to the sword fighting, which we've talked to about that in that movie. There's a big sword fight at the end where Patrick Bergen and, um, What's his name? I, the German guy, scary German guy. You're, you're gonna punch now. Right. They have a great uh, like broadsword battle instead of like a fancy Errol Flynn thing. Oh, and they're just beating the shit out of each like overhand, baseball batting each other. <laughs> overhand heaves and every swing takes like four yeah. or five seconds and it's it's so wonderful. You, you haven't like, seen it, yeah, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. It's great. Absolutely, like total seconded. Uh, it's a crazy film. It has crazy production history. If by the way, we've been talking about him. If you don't know who Jurgen Prunch now is, uh, he was in uh, Das Boot. He was in Judge Dredd. He was in uh, Beer Fest as like the evil villain guy. Um, he was in In the Mouth of Madness. He's been in a ton of stuff. Great guy. Always in the background. Like, if you look this guy up, you'll Wonderful fucking know who we're talking actor, about. Though. Fantastic character actor. The fact that I can't remember his name, but can probably tell you, like, 30 movies he's in. <laughs> that is the sign of a great character actor, he by the way. Great you would, if you see him in one thing, you'll go like, I've seen that guy in a million things, and he's always funny, or he's always scary. He services his role. He's a great actor. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, I, I like what you're saying because the because the 91, is it 91 or 92? I can't remember the the Patrick Bergen Robin Hood, um, it which actually sorry welcome back to Hollywood Drew's Corner. Like uh, I want to say one more thing. It's 91 because it's pre Pulp Fiction Uma Thurman. That's all I was gonna say. Right. It also it did did Prince of Thieves. Okay, so here's here's the story I remember is that it came out the same year as Prince of Thieves. Yeah, 90 or 91. Yeah, yeah, and the American studio system suppressed it, which is why, like, nobody in America has heard of it. That's exactly right. Well, that's what Um, I've heard. That's what I've heard. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I think that's what happened, but it's fucking cool. And and actually, like, little detail, just to put, like, an ending on that, like, I love that, like, the sheriff of Nottingham's name is Sir Miles Falconet or Falcono, like... Falk Roy, Falcon, something like Roy. that, right? And he's like, yeah. he, but he's super French. He's like, I am, I am somehow Falconet. Like, his, well, his I mean, title is sheriff. Nobody calls him the sheriff of Nottingham. It's so great that they do the Saxon Norman paradigm because it actually makes the it, it makes it the makes film the story bigger makes sense. than. It's it's well, it makes it more than Robin and Marion though, because you have like a vested interest. You're like, oh, this is like a culture war, um, well, and and like, okay, not to get into this stuff, but like the medieval outlaw story, just like the the uh, English Arthurian story, is co opted by each generation and changed. So like all the uh, Arthur and Guinevere and Lancelot stuff gets added in when with French Romanticism, like the pre 
the earliest forms of the Arthur story don't have those characters in them, which is really interesting, oh, right? And, and that's in the also same part way, of the late, like late chivalric literature too, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so they're like the yeah the late Renaissance obsession with like what would become Romanticism, right? Which is cool. Uh, the same thing happens with medieval outlaw stories where they get co-opted by generations, and so it, it makes sense that the romantic uh, Robin and Marion story in the eighties and nineties turns into like a political. Uh, like invader occupier story, right? It has like a Cold War, hot war tension to it that like a political thriller would, which is actually really fun. That's a fun way to watch a Robin Hood movie. So but if you want to go better than this trash that's coming out now. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or go watch Prince of Thieves, by all means. There's some racism in there. There's a, <laughs> a totally American Robin Hood. There's technology that should, you know, whatever. Or go watch Men in Tights. <laughs> Men in Tights. Tight tights. All right. Well, okay. So tonally, tonally, I like the idea of the Patrick Bergen, and I wish. Oh, you know, that's actually John Irving. Irvin, I think, directed that, and um, James McTiernan was a producer on that, or uh, John McTiernan, the the the, the fucking diehard guy. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I fucking love that movie. I think I have three copies of it on DVD. I have um, a VHS. Uh, so, <laughs> But I like that tonally. Like, let's root it in the land. It's going to be misty and overgrown woods and everyone's a little dirty. And then we've got kind of our Ash character who's a little goofier and silly. He's more worldly, right? He's a traveler. Is he going to be an Englishman or do we want to make him a, build more, a, a little more exotic than that? Well, okay, so this is a good time to talk about where this film was produced, because if it's a British production, I think they would get into the subtlety of, like, he has a Yorkshire accent, but he's in Ireland. Do you get well, it? And yeah. I'm not prepared to have that conversation. Neither am I, and it also depends on when we want to place this bad boy. What um, I kind of like is an American production where we're all just doing bad English and Irish accents. That's fine. I'm and we fine just said it in... Capital T, capital O, capital C, the old country. Sure, that's fine. That's great. <laughs> like we just get around what year it takes place and where it takes place. I think I think you, and then I think what they do is they solve that problem with like, you cast your leads with a couple of your, your main, your main character is going to be an English actor or mm -hmm. an Irish actor. And yeah, perfect. You, and sprinkle, sprinkle other people around him, you know, that kind of thing. I think John Hurt is in this film. I think, yeah, I, I was like, going to mention. I think we're going to salt and pepper some some legitimacy into this film with some like some British actors that can do comedy, that can do characters. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, like just throw give give just throw three or four in there real quick. Let's do it. Like, I don't know, is oh. Bill Bailey in it? How how funny how how slapsticky is it? Because I want to put Rick Mail in it. Then if we can, I, I want to put Dylan Moran in it. Okay, <laughs> like town drunk Dylan Moran. <laughs> Well, what we do, if you take, well, so you're taking two thirds of the cast of Black Books. I'm not, I'm okay with that. Uh, Fuck it, I'll take 100% of the cast of Black Books. <laughs> we can put, we can put Fran in there too. Um, oh, could, could Dylan Moran do the lead? I was gonna say, this could be like Dylan Moran's, he was, Dylan Moran was in Tristan Shandy, a cock and bull story. God Fuck damn yeah, it, it tonight. Um, this yeah, let's well, do that's, it. That's definitely going to push it into way sillier territory. But man, well, if Dylan, if Dylan Warren was up against like, okay, here's the what we do: old gods of the earth. I would watch the fuck out of that movie. Here's what we do: it's 
now no longer an American production. It's, uh, but it is like a Michael Winterbottom film. Okay, We're back in Britain, baby. <laughs> back in Britain. This lets us take uh, Dylan Moran. We could make it today. It doesn't matter. So, so because. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I'm a little worried about that, but keep going. You're well, obviously I on a want to, I mean, not today, today, but we can make it a modern, it would be 2000, 2005, something like that. Mm-hmm. that. That way we could put Rick Mail in there, um, an old school, well, old school to us, like, <laughs> like actually like transformative 80s. You know, he's from the young ones. He was in Drop Dead Fred, Rick Mail. You know, he's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of energy, completely insane. Um, perfect bonkers character to have in a movie. You also take John Hurt. That's good. You have a couple of older guys, and then you can kind of just put character actors, pull from sitcoms and things around Dylan Moore. And I think that works really, really well. In fact, if you if you told me that Dylan Moran had made a movie where he fights the old gods in an <laughs> impoverished um, medieval town, um, where he rooms with John Hurt and his family. And <laughs> there's an evil cult being led by the batshit insane Rick Mail. I'd be like, that is my favorite movie. I've never seen it, and that's my favorite movie. I like, yeah, no, that's really good. I like like a who's who of British TV and movies. Like, can you get somebody from like, are you being served to come in and do like a, like a little like. Well, if it's 2000, 2005, you can even have, like, Ronnie Corbin on there. Like, you can, you can get Frank Thornton. Dude didn't die until, like, 2010 or something. Like, Oh, we got to put Ronnie Corbin in there. We can even have a, a Four Candles joke in the fucking book. So okay, so here's, okay, here's why I got worried when you said, let's make it today. Well, I didn't mean and, today. And I, I know, I know, I know. And I think you pulled it back. But, like, here, here's my concern with this kind of movie. I don't want this to be Shaun of the Dead. Like no. I don't, I don't want it to be just silly and just British for the sake of being British, and 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 like mm, I like I fucking love the crop of independent horror movies that are coming out of the UK, particularly Ireland, over the last like five or six years. Like we've already mentioned, like Wakewood and stuff like that. Those movies are fucking great, and they're legitimately horrifying. Like I want the horror to be legitimately scary, and I want the comedy to be legitimately funny. I'm worried with the casting. It's going to be too funny. I don't think we need to recast it. I just think like, here's what, I guess here's what I'm asking. Do we set this in like 2004, 2005? And it was a risky film for the time. Or is this our first ever 2019 film? Is this the film that 2019 needs? Well, it is, but we would have to change the casting because Rick Mail's dead. Ronnie Corbin is dead. You know, that, and I'm fine doing that. I was thinking that Michael, the reason I went back to Michael Winterbottom films is like, he's always been very surreal and Mm -hmm. kind of break the fourth wall tonally. I I love his early, his early films, like 24 hour party people and stuff. I like, I like that comedic tone because those films, Tristram Shandy, um, but see, okay, like, I think they have they have very serious. It's very English, right? It's very melancholy moments in those. But what I'm thinking oh. is like I want the like abject terror of a Jacob's Ladder. So how and like and by the way, like I think I think you were right. I think we need to pull this thing back to like 2005, 2010. Okay. It was an independent British production where they got a whole bunch of great people, but then fucking Tarsem Singh was brought in as a production design consultant or some shit, and they go, 
they go full Cronenberg Jacob's Ladder with the makeup and the lighting and the production design. Oh, so well, then the hero, then the, the then then that's that's very good. Then the horror parts is like we're doing dog soldiers. Yes, not, like yeah, I want actual horror. Like yes, actual horror. Yeah, no, and no, then no, I no. want Dylan Morin being Dylan Morin, reacting to like Lovecraftian nightmare horror. Like that sounds so fucking fun to me. <laughs> I bet it's fun. I bet he. I I I say this, and you know this as someone who can quote his stand-up specials. I don't know if he can pull it off, but I would love to watch him die. <laughs> And by by saying I don't think he can pull it off, I know he can't pull it off. That's why I would watch it. Okay, so you don't want to recast him. I'm fine recasting him. We can put him back in town drunk if you've got a better A man. No, no, or no. A lady. I I would take a female lead in this too. I think it makes a ton of sense. You know, it's really funny. But Dylan Warren is a snake oil salesman is a fucking delicious to me. Like it's just it's too good. And and putting him in a film with Rick Mail is really what's like that's good because he's a he's a little bit older and a little bit like zanier and kind of wild-eyed yeah and make make him the demonic priest character so you oh go that's like, really oh, good oh they're gonna play this for laughs and then just be like yo rick you know how you fucking eat the scenery in every scene you're in just go do that fucking insane <laughs> just absolutely insane like we put like, extra scenery in here for you to chew on rick yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna, like just leave big chunks in the script that say rick mayhill does something yeah you're doing the you're doing the charlie or the the martin sheen apocalypse now thing like just let right. him get drunk on set and film it and it's gonna be great also but, what i what i really like because john hurts in this film we are going to be able to do a soft remake of my favorite television show of all time jim henson's storyteller where that's right. like, he's just the old drunk by the fire like yeah hello like the best place well, that's why for i think the storyteller I think he plays the townsperson that Dylan Moran stays with his family that night. I, think I like him as like the like the idiot mayor. Like he's, he's ostensibly he's ostensibly in charge of the town. He's the guy. He's the leader, but he's totally ineffectual, and he's just like a kooky old man who gets eaten in halfway through the second act. Well, this is good. Okay, this is good, and I like all these characters. We really don't have a. Story, though we have the beginning of a story which is very good and we know where we want it to go which is we want it to end in supernatural horror but we need more specifics than that well, we i think need, okay. I, I want i want well what i'm trying to get at is i want to know how the shift happens between this cult being this rick mayo cult being the evil thing into an actual supernatural terrifying horror so so I think actually we have fleshed out this film entirely. Okay, I think then give it, give it to me, give it well, to me. Look, I mean, there's there's a famine on. The bread's not coming up, the, or the grain's not coming up. Nobody can make the bread. Dylan Morin rolls into town, promising a solution. Everyone's like, "This guy's crazy." The doting, the, the cult leader is like, "I know the solution. It's the old ones or whatever." And everyone's like, "We're not sure. We're ready to bite off on that." And the mayor's like, "Yeah, we'll pay you five hundred guineas for whatever your solution is. Whatever." Stay at my house. You can sleep with my sister. I don't care. They uh, so that kicks off. He he ends up back at the old man's house. He's he's obviously keeping up this con the whole time, right? And he's got his money. And the next day they're going to do all the whatevers. He's going to bring back the crops with his snake oil, which he knows is never going to work. And I think some townspeople know is never going to work. The cultist, meanwhile, is like, we got to go back to the old books. And the and the loyal cultists are like, yeah, you're totally right. Let's do the ritual. What is it? And he's like, well, we can bring back the crops with this with this spell. And what happens? They grow a bunch of spriggans and dryads. So now we have like living plant people, like the trees themselves. So now there's like roots 
like there's a kindly old woman who has a garden in town and her garden like strangles her and cuts her head off and then like there's trees moving through the middle of the town like knocking over shit like it's all like dryad elven spriggan shit right well and now so this is all this gives us a very good horror template because now we're doing everything from zombie movies to um the blob to everything. the plants man they did yeah. bring the plants back they did actually do what they said they were going to do they uh, unlike the snake oil salesman they can actually bring the plants back the problem is the plants now want to kill the people and rick mail will get a disturbing plant related death right so now now we take now we borrow the the second act playbook from a zombie movie right yeah and it, exactly it, we the gotta get, there's yeah. people trapped in the tavern. We got to get them out. Okay, there's no, we don't have any weapons. Okay, we got to get out to the farmhouse. That's where the pitchforks and the implements of destruction are. Like, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit Shaun of the, I mean, Shaun of the Dead just did the same trope though, didn't they? Yeah, Shaun of the Dead though, like made fun of zombie movies, whereas we're making a medieval version of the happening, except this time it's actually interesting. I'm No, I, I'm not saying it in a bad <laughs> way. I'm just acknowledging that, the, the the reason Shaun of the Dead, I love Shaun of the Dead. One of the reasons it works is because Edgar Wright knows his tropes and that's how that movie works in the second act is we got to go get this person. We got to go to this place. This Dylan place. Moran, also in Shaun of the Dead, by the way. Also in Shaun of the Dead. So he's got to be in this. <laughs> um, but I think that's okay. No, I actually think that's a no, good movie. I think it's fine too because it's a totally different setting. It's a different, it's a and different I, type of film. It's a different I think I think what it's going to hinge on is everyone's the straight man except dylan morin he's and rick, rick mail right? and rick mail right they're hamming it up everyone else is playing it straight and the horror is actually horrifying so like these trees are bleeding and they're shooting out vines and they're eviscerating people and like they're lighting on fire and screaming and like you know, I think like we can do something there that's legitimately horrifying and gets a Jacob's Ladder vibe into the film that people are like, I don't know if I'm laughing or screaming. No, like, no, again, again, we're talking. And, and to, to borrow the Joe Bob Ricks thing, it's 60, 70% horror, 30% to 40% comedy. Right. And that, I, I, it, that's what we sort of dreamcasted it. And I think if it actually got made, they might go like, ooh, we might have to shuffle one or two of these people around or like maybe let's not have don french play john hurt's <laughs> wife you know it's like no, no not, nothing gets done for i love Don. if we can get don french in this film i would love it but um you know let's just not stack the comedy too high yeah you know? yeah yeah no i think you're right i think you're right we could we could pull in some more serious actors but i mean i mean that, i think that's a movie like i think it is i think it's i think it's good i, I think it's important as we said earlier to skewer more Evil Dead 2 than Army of Darkness. But what you have to do in that situation is you go like, all right, if we do that, can Dylan Morin handle enough horror action? Yeah, he's not, he's not an action guy, right? And he's going to be smoking cigarettes the whole time because he's Dylan Morin. So I'm not, I'm not sold on the casting of the lead. I think if we had a different lead in place, I'd feel a lot better about this film. But I feel pretty good about it the way it looks on paper right now. Well, um, and I'm okay. Honestly, maybe it gets pulled in a more comedy direction. I would still watch it. I still think it's a Planet X film. I no, no, I do too. I was just, I was just, I was thinking. Um, you know, you could actually put Rick Mail in the lead, <laughs> but then it would just be the most insane film ever. 
I mean, the other way to do this is bring this forward and make it make it like Cowboys and Aliens and just put fucking like Daniel Craig in there. Put some like put some square jawed, serious British actor in there and just make a fool of him in, oh, in the best way, in the best way. Like give Daniel Craig a comedy. Oh, give Idris Elba a comedy, right? Like that's fuck. Yeah. Idris Elba. Yeah. Goddamn. Yeah. You know, okay, yeah, I see. So you could play it either way. I like that. Lean into the action more with the protagonist and let the villain do the hammy stuff. Fuck, make Dylan Moore in the villain. <laughs> like, goddamn. Well, see, that's I was I was like, could you flip flop it in two thousand and have Dylan Moore in as this like dour, sardonic person who's actually the leader of a cult? And you go like, that's good for a lot of laughs. <laughs> pretty then, fucking good. But then like Rick Mayo, basically, you have Drop Dead Fred, fifteen years older than that as your lead and he can do everything from slimy salesman to legitimately terrified to legitimately terrifying. Like well, I think let's, let's rotate I the think cast. That's, I think that's how you do it. I think Rick Mayo becomes your lead. Dylan Morin is your cult leader and John Houston is John Houston. Like I think that works. John Hurt, by the way, not John Houston. I'm sorry, yeah. John Hurt, not John that's what I was gonna say. Let's just rotate the cast one click. Okay. So Dylan Morin is now the cult leader. Uh Rick Mayo is now the hero, and I guess John Hurt stays in his place. I guess the other way to do it is, no, I like that actually. That feels no, better. I like it because otherwise, that feels better. Yep, that feels I way better. Want, I don't want John Hurt as the lead. It's no fun. Like, well, John but, Hurt has to be John Hurt. Like, <laughs> yeah, be John Hurt. Like, if you put Rick Mayo in the lead and go like, Rick, we're giving you like a movie, and he goes like, Great, is it a comedy? And you go like, Well, <laughs> Rick, like. But he's got so much energy. I think that it would be fun to watch him in a horror. Uh, and he's he's more of a lead man than Dylan Morin, and I mean that in the best way. Dylan Morin needs he needs to be handed the role of like do anything you want with this part. We know it's going to be Dylan Morin. Well, and, and the cult leader is perfect. Like him is like a talking about summoning demons and the devil. <laughs> like I would you know, I would eat that up. Like hilarious. Dylan Morin does, Alistair Crowley is a two it's hour special that I could you could not charge enough for. for it's patently funny and if you think about the 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 opposite end of that you know i i was watching a documentary about rick mail though a couple months ago because i'm a very big fan you know i was very sad when he passed um but they talked about how you know everyone that worked on on black adder uh two i guess it was um you know they were they loved him and hated him because he came in for one episode and just completely blew everyone else away like they were like yeah, they, it's, the, it's the Chevy Chase uh, uh, Caddyshack thing. Yeah, they, they they you know they're like we're giving you one character and one episode, and it's the it's the episode everyone talks about. You know, yeah. it's he comes in and he makes everyone else. He makes <laughs> fucking Rowan Atkinson and um, uh, Stephen Fry and all these incredibly talented people basically look boring. He's that good well that's like the yeah the caddyshack thing is like if you watch caddyshack there's this weird subplot about this guy and this irish girl and he gets her pregnant it's like this coming of age story that's kind of supposed to be the man plot right yeah Yeah. now it feels ham-fisted it feels like it was shoved into the movie but actually that's the original plot of caddyshack and like they didn't know how to fill out the rest of the movie so they just invited rodney dangerfield and chevy chase who spent like a total of like i think three or four days on set and it's 60% 60% of the movie is like, hey, let's dance. Like, <laughs> the, the, the great story about Caddyshack, of course, is that the, Bill Murray had no scripted lines. Right. Uh, and uh, then they realized by the time they were 
almost done filming it that Chevy Chase and Bill Murray were going to be the stars of the movie and they didn't have a scene together. So they improvised that whole scene with Chevy Chase and Bill Murray where Bill Murray's growing marijuana gra like grass for the mm -hmm. golf course you can smoke. And uh, it's, yeah, but I digress. Like I, I, I think it's a great, I think it's a great film. I'm happy where it sits. It doesn't need a pop song. What it needs is the Black Adder, Monty Python. Let's do an actual medieval madrigal type yeah or you go like dropkick murphy's or something right you do something like adjacent to that I, and you play a comedy kind of ruins the tone i think you go kind of like no let's score it like they scored the wicker man like cool. let's no i love it that you know just harmoniums that. and and mandolins and lyres and all that awful like omnia sounding kind of you know dude i love it i i think it's great Okay, so. so that's that's Bread Panic. I hope that title still fits that film. I think I think it does. It feels good. Oh no, it was definitely a fun conversation about all the English shit we like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got that out of our system, so it'll I be a couple episodes till we have to talk about British TV. <laughs> um, I I I tell you what, this sounds bad, but I I mean this as a compliment. It it suggests a very good film. Does that work? Yeah, I don't know. There's enough there for you to put together. Yeah, look, look, we're not here to tell you how to make the movies. We're just here to tell you what they should be about. So uh, we create IPs and then guard them, guard them desperately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, that wraps up Bread Panic. Thank you so much, Hanksty. Thanks, Ryan Hanks. Thanks, Ryan Hanks. Sending in titles is such a good way to spend your time, Drew. Hey, it's literally how we make this show happen. So uh, if you have a great hypothetical movie title, uh, you can send it to planetxcinema at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send one, uh, you can go to our website, planetxcinema.com, hit the submit button. You can send us as many as you like. Or if you leave us a review on iTunes with a title in it, we will read it on this show. And we've been saying that for a few weeks, but we actually haven't delivered on that. And this week, I want to make good on that because we do have a review in iTunes um, that says some very sweet and strange things about us. Uh, but it has a hypothetical movie title suggestion in it. So the film, uh, the review comes from Radio Spirit. Uh, the title of the review is Raw Storytelling Finesse, You Are Too Kind. And also I think that's an irony. But the movie title suggested by Radio Spirit was Astral Capacitor. Astral Capacitor. It's good. It's very good. You know what? You instantly think space opera, but do you know where my mind went? From there? Ooh, where? Wouldn't Astral Capacitor be the great name for an Ultraman-type giant robot? Ooh, if we're going to do, like, tokusatsu? Yeah, fuck. Yeah, or oh, even... That's what it is. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I know we're about to show the Giver, but, like, what if the Astral Capacitor is an item that falls from space, it finds an unlikely hero, and turns him into a tokusatsu hero? Well, I was going to go one step further and say, like, the name of that hero in true Japanese television style is Astral Capacitor. Absolutely. Yeah, the Astral Capacitor is both the device and the hero's name, just yeah. like the Giver. Yeah, and then, and then you're just in the sandbox. Like, what do you want him to do? Do you want him to fight bugs? Mm. To fight lizards what's going on no nah, uh, robots from space let's flip the kaiju thing where with like the hero is a giant robot and the villain is a monster let's do ultraman where the astral capacitor can turn into a giant monster man and he has to fight robots from space i want to do one even better keep the same thing except for the astral capacitor actually falls backwards through a wormhole in time and people from the future come to get it with their giant tech so uh, it's, oh okay it, hold on it, it, i'm gonna put i'm gonna put another spin on this 
Okay. It was sent back in time by the last humans, and the people coming back in time to get it are the aliens or monsters that eventually wipe out humanity. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Astral Capacitor. That felt so good. That was so quick. Can we just do that? Can this well, podcast just be two minutes from now on? That was so good. If you go to our website, if you go to our email, if you leave us a review, the more titles we pile up, the more we can rapid fire like that. And we love doing it. So thank you very much, Radio Spirit, for Astral Capacitor. We hope you enjoyed your 90-second movie, <laughs> that we created for, which, honest to God, probably better than bread panic i won't lie <laughs> i disagree i disagree not not as a title i, I was just saying like that was really fun that was good so man and then and then technically we did a two for this week so uh you're welcome well what they'll do is we'll we'll show at planet x we'll show astro capacity it'll be a double feature and we'll show oh, astral capacitor and bread panic yeah uh, yeah you know if you want to stick around later or maybe if you want to come back to my place afterwards we can watch astral capacitor at my place we'll pick up i think i think astral capacitor to me connotates a serial like a it, serialized thing it does i thought you know, maybe like let's just watch a few episodes of ac man you'll love it it's great <laughs> Astro Capacitor, I've got the whole series, man. I've got the whole run. It's great. Yeah, they probably made at least one movie of that. Yeah, like Ultraman. Like Ultraman, yeah. Okay, well, uh, I think that's good. Do we have any announcements? We do. Our next screening is January uh, 25th. The last uh, we, we show, of course, show movies Final Fridays at Kunstler Brewery in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we are showing Stay Tuned. Uh, you're going to love it. It's crazy. John Ritter gets sucked into TV hell. Uh, it's a wonderful film. We're following that up in February, so the, the last Friday in February with The Giver, which we just mentioned. Um, so check those out. There's, there's a couple more screenings coming up. Go to our website, planetxcinema.com. You can, see, you can get all the information there. And you'll want to stay tuned and uh, watch your iTunes feed or wherever you get your uh, podcast um, because uh, we will be doing a now showing for stay tuned. I have already taken an ungodly amount of notes. If my college professors could see how much I've written down about this 1992 John Ritter comedy as opposed <laughs> to what I wrote down about classes I was paying good money to take, it would be embarrassing. But we will be doing the Now Showing podcast. And we also have some special pods coming up with just some cool stories and things. We're going to be trying out some different stuff. So just, you know, watch your feed. Like, rate, subscribe, people. Like, rate, yeah. subscribe. Just like our screenings, this podcast is free and always will be. And so if you like what we do, if you find this stuff entertaining, please share it with a friend. Uh, we would like to have a bigger and bigger audience and like to be able to do more shows and, and more fun stuff like this podcast and like the screenings we do. So uh, rate and review it on iTunes. That's the best thing you can do for us. Uh, be sure to leave a movie title suggestion when you do um, or just share it with a friend. We love doing it. We'd like to do more of it. Well, we've done a lot of talking. I think we do some housekeeping and get the hell out of here. Uh, yeah. Uh, as we mentioned, go to planetxcinema.com. You can find out all the information about screenings. You can send us movie title suggestions. Uh, if you're in San Antonio, come to a live screening. We're down at Kunstler Brewing in San Antonio, Texas. Every final Friday of the month. So let's say some thank yous. Uh, I'd like to thank the band Pinko for the use of their song Oedipus Sex as our theme music. You can check them out on Bandcamp. That song is on their self-titled album. They have a lot of other great music. Please check out Pinko. They're awesome. Hey, if you like that voiceover at the top of our show, that's a gentleman named Brian Ahrens. He's a real cool cat. You should look him up at brianahrensvo.com. Well, what's your name, sir? This evening, I've been Drew Hicks. I have unfortunately remained Blair Hicks, but fortunately, the search for Planet X continues. We do sell a lot of weight. A lot of weight. <laughs> I do. Fuck you, it's going to look cool. We're doing it. <laughs>